Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 172, I'm joined by Simon Alexander Ong. Simon is a personal development entrepreneur, coach, public speaker and author of the new book, Energize, Make the Most of Every Moment. Simon regularly speaks at organizations and keynotes, public events and conferences. In his book, Energize, Simon introduces us to the art and science of energy management. In a world where we are always on, Simon coaches us to work with our natural energy resources, to recognize our most energized state, learning when to push, and when to recoup so that we can work sustainably towards our biggest goals. It's a great conversation, really excited to bring episode 172 with Simon Alexander Ong. Simon, welcome to the Always Best Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Ryan, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, so good. I uh, absolutely love the video you shared during the week, which was you getting to see your book in print. Are you still riding high off that energy? Totally. You know, it's only when you see your book in print, uh, when you start to record the audiobook, that it all feels very real. Uh, mm. I, I've been on this project for nearly two years now. So to see it all coming together, it's starting to hit home, right? I love that. And I, I think, you know, if we go along this journey, we start to realize that the energy is everything. And mm. I'd just love to know, you know, what point did that start to become part of your consciousness and, and led you down this line of, of it being your first book title? Sure. So when I think about what led me to write about energy in this way, I think there were two factors that played into it. The first was I came from a corporate world uh, into the world of entrepreneurship. Mm. And when I was in the corporate world, uh, I, I was in, in the financial services industry. And as you as you know, there was long hours in that industry. I, I was working six or seven in the morning in the office until sometimes 10 or 11 at night. And so I went through multiple experiences of burnout. Mm. And there was one particular time uh, that I had burnout where I had a deep conversation with my, with my then girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Simon, if you continue like this, your health is going to deteriorate. I don't see you improving in mm -hmm. terms of your health staying at this place. And she was right. My physical health was going down the drain. I was eating junk. I just didn't have time to cook. I was getting little sleep and I just didn't have the time to exercise. Mm. And so that was one of my first experiences uh, of, of why energy is so important if we want to accomplish our biggest goals. The second factor was, as I made that transition to what I now get to do today, I quickly discovered that the more events I was speaking at, the more I would hear from audience members who would come up to me after I stepped down from stage and would say to me, Simon, I loved the energy you had on stage. Mm. And, I, and I loved your presence. And if only mm. I could have a small percentage <laughs> of your energy, I could go on and accomplish so much. And it mm. got me thinking about, well, how did I get to a point in which I have so much energy? 
I have this ability to wake up in the morning, not to the smell of coffee, but to the smell of possibilities mm. and to just live life in, in flow in terms of being present, open to the abundance that surrounds us all. And so with this book, uh, a bit of behind the scenes, Ryan, the first working title was actually called Energy is Everything. Mm -hmm. And then as I wrote the book, as we went through editing, that title evolved into what you see now, Energize. And so I wanted really to share a bit about my journey, but also why energy is so important if we want to uh, make meaningful steps uh, towards accomplishing our goals. Mm, absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think one of the uh, the point in my life where I really got my head around it was this: I uh, just had second child, so my my youngest daughter, my youngest mm. child, Brooke, she's uh, almost seven. So we're talking about seven years ago. Mm. I was um, progressing in my leadership journey. So things were very, very busy at work, mm. married, two kids, dad bod for sure. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and I started to do some stuff for myself in the morning. So I start to get up and go to the gym. And this real paradox presented me, which is that the more I did that, the more energy I gained. Mm. And it really kind of like made me realize that there are some things that we can do that don't mm. take our energy but they give us energy. Is that something that um, you really help people with? Definitely. And, and I think you mentioned something important there, Ryan. I think when we are, when we are channeling our energy into things that either increase our energy, such mm. as physical exercise, such as rest, or even when we channel our energy into things that are meaningful to us, such as a, a job or, or a path in life that makes us feel alive, mm. it actually creates more energy. Mm. It's, it's like the journey I'm on at the moment. You, you know, I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of marketing the book, in terms of spreading the word about it. But because this means so much to me, it's giving me even more energy to want to go out and, and share this with as many people as possible. Mm. What we come to realize as we get wiser is that many of us are exhausted not because we're doing too much, but because we are, we are running someone else's race hmm. and we are measuring our progress and uh, our journey against metrics defined by other people. Mm -hmm. And that is a very exhausting journey. But when we start to uncover, if you will, the work that we're meant to do, the work that aligns with our true purpose and the work that plays to our strengths, that actually awakens our greatest energy sources. Mm. Yeah, and, and I know that this is true for my story and your story that we ditch the corporate, mm. we become uh, <laughs> coaches and, and, we, and we help other people do those things. But that isn't the story for everybody, is it? I know that you'll have helped hundreds and hundreds of people go off and find things. What are some of the examples where people go, do you know what, this is more meaningful and I'm going to start pursuing X, Y, and Z. What are some of those other things that you've, you've witnessed? Mm. Well, just to show a couple of examples, uh, one of the most drastic changes I've seen is someone who was in a corporate environment, uh, suit and tie, <laughs> uh, nine to five sort of job, quitting that and then moving into the world of art, mm. uh, expressing their creativity yeah. uh, through the medium of paint uh, mm. and then going on to have their first exhibition. Mm. And it's interesting because many of us, are actually born creative souls. Yeah. So, so we're born with so much creativity within us. 
But yet a lot of that gets sucked out by the time we are teenagers and we're told we have to conform to a traditional path of success. Mm. And so for me, seeing that drastic change illustrated just how much creativity was locked up and left dormant uh, inside this individual. And, and that is why often the longest journey we make as humans are the inches from our heads to our hearts. Never an easy journey, but the most important and fulfilling that we will ever embark on. Mm. And it, it, it very much illustrated that process because for so long, uh, he, was going, uh, he, he was going for the wisdom of his head, which is get a safe job, get something that pays well, get something that gives you some good perks, yep. and you'll be, you'll be fine. But yet his heart was thinking of something else. And so there was this tension between what his head was saying and what his heart was saying. And we all know uh, when we look back in life is that when we follow our heart, it may not always lead us to where we want to be, but it will always lead us to where we need to be. Hey, my friends, thank you for being with us so far. I really hope that you're enjoying the conversation. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that our brand new website is live. Please do visit abty.co.uk. I hope that it enables you to connect with us at a heart level and to explore our heart work and how we may serve you, your team and your organization that little bit better through our coaching, our consulting and our speaking. It also gives you the opportunity to come and join one of our greenhouses and see some examples of our heart print. It's abty.co.uk. Other great things on there, some free resources. There are uh, access to your life languages profile that you can take for free, as well as our merchandise store. abty.co.uk. And here we go. Back to the conversation. I love that. I was listening to uh, one of your interviews recently, and I think it was a panel of three people. And it's on your YouTube, I'm sure, or our listeners and our watchers can go and check that video out. But there's a lady that says, okay, Simon, but sometimes I don't trust my heart. And then I think you asked this one question about, well, what happened when you have followed it? And she was just like, you could just see the moments <laughs> the way she has trusted her heart. She's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't be where I am now. It's mm. so, so powerful. And I love in the book, I'm just looking down here, like in the book, you say, um, that being mindful is a superpower and that mm. is our greatest source of creativity and that even like especially in a overstimulated world that's mm. a real challenge isn't it at the moment it is one you know the work i do with those in leadership positions uh, especially people who are heading up a company mm. or people who are responsible for uh, team members and entrepreneurs who are ambitious, it's that slowing down is very hard. Mm. Slowing down is very hard for them because they're so used to getting things done or yeah. being in motion. And so the very idea that, well, you should just take some time to disconnect, it's alien to many of them mm -hmm. because we associate disconnection or slowing down mm -hmm. with not being productive. But the argument I share in the book is that actually it is very important to slow down if we want to thrive over the long term. Because if we don't, sooner or later, we're going to burn out. And if you, if you look at some of these uh, moments of great breakthroughs in history, and, and I don't know if they're true or not, these are anecdotes. Uh, but I think the fact that they all share one thing in common is telling. Mm. You know, Isaac Newton discovering gravity when the apple fell 
on his head sitting under a tree or Archimedes discovering displacement theory while lying in a bath having his eureka moment or Thomas Edison having his insights by fishing with no bait so nobody, not even the fish, would disturb him. I think there is a common thread in there for a reason. They didn't have those breakthroughs when they were sat in front of the desk staring into their books. Yeah. It was in that white space, in, in, in that moment of disconnection, that their mind was able to piece together all of those inputs that they had exposed themselves to mm. and make associations. And I think that's where creativity and innovative ideas are born. Mm. Yeah, I was just um, sharing a conversation with a, with a friend of mine before uh, we came on and talked about how sometimes in preparing for the right talk, you know, you want to get it right, you want to get your ideas across. And and I've I've really got into a rhythm of almost just here are all the here are all the checkpoints, here are all the things I roughly want to cover, and then just go for a run, like just get mm -hmm. out of my head get out and then you know slowly but surely sometimes that kind of pieces it together it's hard not to kind of just say it as if it's airy fairy because it, it feels intangible but I guess energy is intangible it is you know the way I describe energy is that it is like a language that has no words mm. yet you and I feel it mm. you and I know what it is saying mm. some great examples is that when you walk into a room and two people come up to you, you are drawn to one over the other, simply because of their energy and presence. Now you can't explain why because they've not said a single word. But you are naturally attracted to one person over the other to go and say hello to. And, and, and that's energy, you, you can't describe it, but you can feel it. It's, it's the same when you go to an event and you have a series of speakers come up on stage. Now, Later on, you will probably forget what all of them said, mm. but there will be a speaker that resonates with you and you will say, he or she was very good. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just came out very energized. I came out inspired. And it's that feeling they've given you. And if we look at it in the world of business, Ryan, what we begin to notice when we see it through that lens of energy is that people don't buy your products or services as much as they buy your energy. And that's how transactions happen, because fundamentally, business is people to people, people by people, even more than that, people buy your energy. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And um, my, again, it's very difficult when there's, you know, family members with different perspectives, different generations, and um, my son's grown up with his uh, nan, his grandma, giving the mantra that oh i just need a bit of energy i'll have a biscuit <laughs> so i so Corey and i you know Corey understands a bit more from my perspective around uh, what energy is more like uh and in preparing for this he said can you ask if if sugar is energy can you ask him if sugar is energy and i, and I guess i mean that in a crass way but mm. you know i i really started to realize that when i focused on my energy mm. not the sugar but the actual health the well-being the fuel the activity what i was doing who i was doing it with i became better mm. for everyone around me and um for for many what i you know think people have to overcome is this selfishness this mm. feeling of oh if i put my energy first that's selfish but it really isn't is it it's not because 
just like the famous uh, analogy goes, when you board an airplane and you have that safety briefing at the beginning, they always say in case of an emergency, put your oxygen mask on first before helping other people. <laughs> and, and the reason they say that is because if you try and help everybody first, yep. but you, at some point, you are going to run out of oxygen. But if you put your oxygen mask on first, you can help as many people as you want mm. because you now have the energy and the ability to focus on helping others. But if you are suffocating your own energy at the expense of others, then that's going to do nobody any good. Yeah. And, and so for me, just like yourself, Ryan, it was really understanding that whether it's leadership, whether it's energy, whether it's impacts, it all begins with us first. You can't help others uh, until you help yourself first yeah uh, it's really you know really powerful and, and you know what are some of the ways because you know this podcast is listened to by by parents by single parents mm -hmm. by leaders and you know i want to try and meet them where they are exactly right now so that they can do one thing that <laughs> that steps them towards this feeling of more energy you know it's almost like plus one just yeah. one more thing that energizes them you know, what are some of the, the great recommendations that you might be able to have for them to take a step towards being energized? Sure. Well, one exercise I, I would get them to do, and before I share it, it's important to understand that when we talk about energy, we, we have to consider it from a holistic perspective. So often when we, when we think energy, we automatically think physical energy, mm. which is I need to get more rest. I need to eat better. I need to move my body more but that's only one contribution to your energy levels. You still have the mental side, the emotional side and the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. And so one exercise that can elevate your energy and mood immediately is this. And it's three simple steps. The first is to write down the name of somebody who you can be truly grateful for, uh, who has shaped you into who you are today. It could be, a partner, a colleague, a mentor, a parent, a close friend. The second step is to write down in as much detail as you can why you chose that person. Mm. What did they do for you specifically? And what would life be like if they were not in your life? How different would you be? What wouldn't you have? Mm. And once you've got that down uh, in as much detail as you can, the third step is for you to then pick up your phone, give them a call and read out everything you wrote down on that sheet of paper. Now, if you're not particularly feeling energized right now, I guarantee you that by the time you put that phone down, you will experience the flood of emotions mm. that will make you feel energized. Mm, I'm going to take a moment, just pause it right there, because I'm going to encourage anybody that's watching, anybody that's listening just to follow those three steps and and comment either on the youtube or, or just send a, a note to us tag us both in and just let us know the response that you get from trying that activity that's that's incredibly powerful and and i wish more people took that opportunity and and took those moments and one of the things you touched on was gratitude and i think one of the flaws in the human psyche one of the flaws in the human spirit is that sometimes we don't appreciate stuff till it's gone 
Mm. And, you know, many, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have heard some incredible guest speakers who have had their heart shaped in such wonderful ways through tragedy, mm. through loss, through, um, through lo losing loved ones and, and children and, it, you know, and health and in incredible circumstances. And, and I think the thing that we would all benefit from is being able to, you know, develop that posture of heart without suffering loss and suffering tragedy. And, and I know that in the book, you've got one really great exercise, which talks about visualizing that mm. thing that you can't live without. And Definitely. then what do we do? Mm. It's, it's so important. So the exercise you're referring to is called negative visualization, mm. uh, which is the opposite to a normal visualization. Normal visualization is just visualize all the possibilities, which is great. Uh, but I think with a negative visualization, it helps you to appreciate what you already have now. Yeah. And uh, the process has been used, you know, since the Stoic philosophers of ancient Greece, and, uh, and, and it's been very much part of their way of grounding themselves in the present. Mm. And so once you've gone through the process of negative visualization, it's then to simply appreciate just how much you already have in your life. And this, for me, is where we begin to enter energetic flow. Yeah. It's like once you have a vision that is compelling and magnetic in nature, and you are also happy in the now, you are grateful for what you already have, that's when we experience flow. Mm -hmm. Because we've got something that is meaningful that we're working towards, but at the same time, we are very grateful simply to have what we have. And that's where we have that flow feeling. However, that flow feeling breaks down if we suddenly become anxious about the future mm. or we become negative about our present moment circumstance. And that's when the process breaks down. Mm. So that's why when many of us face uncertainty, suddenly that vision starts to shift or crumble. It changes the, uh, the dynamic of the way we feel. And similar, if something happens to us in the now, which means we suddenly become this magnet for toxicity, that changes our flow state. But if we can protect our energy and guard it against those things, we keep ourselves in that experience of flow. Hmm. I love that you talk about um, energy being this universal life force. It's called mm. many different things in many different traditions. Um, do you engage in positive and negative energy? Is that something that you you engage in? Essentially, it, it, because for me, uh, it's all about positive energy. But the the one exception I, uh, I I note towards the end of my book is that if you are going to expose yourself to anything negative, make it the negative ions. And negative ions are the charges that are emitted from when you spend time in nature, mm -hmm. when you spend time close to an ocean, uh, hiking in a forest. Uh, those are filled with negative ions. Yeah. Positive ions come as a result of your in, internal environment. So what I mean by internal is your home, is your office, is, is places that are away from the outdoors. So if you are going to spend your time around anywhere negative make it around negative ions because what it does is it just counterbalances the uh the positive ions that you've been exposed to and just calms the mind mm. you, you, it's almost like nature whether it's by the ocean by the river <laughs> in, in in the forest in your local park 
suddenly becomes medicine for the soul. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You um you dedicate your book to your wife, and in it you talk about even marriage being an energetic partnership you know it's a, it's a it, marriage in itself is like a lifelong skill to try and master and, <laughs> you know how, how how are some of your concepts adaptable for uh, relationships definitely well first of all what i do want to say about um relationships whether you are in a partnership whether you're married whatever relationship you're in is that they are one of the most underappreciated uh environments uh mm. that, that we don't talk about so when people talk about the fact that you are the five people you spend most of your time with, we tend to talk about your social circles or your work wow. circles or business circles. But we underappreciate the fact that who your partner or spouse is has an incredible impact on the yeah. way you think and how much risk you take. Mm. So if your partner says, well, stay safe, don't take that risk. Uh, it's better if we do what we're comfortable with you're not going to feel compelled to take much risk. Yeah. But if your partner says, well, I'm going to support you in this action of yours, and whatever happens, we'll get through it. Yep. Just Suddenly, <laughs> your mind shifts to yep. taking risk, but also being comfortable in the fact that you have support from someone who is close to you. And so the author Ryan Holiday uh, wrote an article on, on his blog a number of years ago titled the, the Secret Life Hack that nobody tells you about is who your spouse is. Mm. And that has played a huge role in my own journey. Mm. Because when we think about our energetic field, and by energetic field, I mean the uh, charges that we uh, expose ourselves to, that is the one we're exposing ourselves to the most. The person we are going to bed with, waking up with, mm. spending our days with, our weekends with, that is the person who is having the biggest impact on our mindset. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, I, I think some of the growth that, that my, my wife and I have been together since 2002, so literally like <laughs> 20 years this year, um, high school sweethearts. And, and what we had to learn is that, you know, a lot, especially being parent and being tired and low of energy, yeah. it can reveal sometimes the worst of each other and our worst mm. of our character and, and our our energy towards each other. I mean, I think God has a, as a, as a sense of humor when he puts opposites together, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, just sheer nature by my nature of by my flaws, they're going to mm -hmm. be counter to what my wife would like to see in the world. Yeah. And, and our energy, we, oh, we, we were, you know, we were en the enemy behind the lines, you know, mm -hmm. within our own home. And, and the things that we've really had to work on is that, that being a team and, just reflecting as you're speaking like the energy that we now get from each other mm. is so much more loving and unconditional yeah. and powerful um and it's just not the sort of stuff we're taught is it growing up definitely and, and you know while we're on this topic of energy and relationships if, if we look at the uh the levels of energy love is the highest form of energy now i don't mean just in relationships but i mean also in terms of the work we do uh, what is meaningful for us when you really love someone you find the energy to do things you may not have done before mm. it's like it's like if you recall your first crush even though you would have had a full calendar for the weekend if your crush asks you for a coffee or a dinner suddenly your diary becomes clear <laughs> for that that's the power of love in the same way that 
if you truly love a cause, if you believe in a cause so much, you would travel the world in mm. order to fight for that cause because that is what you love. Mm. Um, and, and again, the same for work. If you love your work, if you love what you get to do, you're going to show up with very different energy to when you're doing something that you just don't really love. Mm. My daughter loves singing. She's just got home from school. I wonder whether you can hear her singing. <laughs> <laughs> that is Brooke. She's got some pipes on her. But, you know, I, you can see here, always better than yesterday. It, it's mm. all about heart-centered leadership. I want to see more leaders proud to say that they love what they do, proud yeah. to love who they get to serve within their teams. And because I think when you say that love is a higher degree of energy, I think along with that comes the the byproducts of the willing to serve and the willingness mm. to sacrifice. And let's um, let's use the word energy rather than love. And how can a leader kind of uh, embrace that universal life principle of energy to unlock that within their teams? Mm. Well, the first step in that is realizing that if you want to lead others, it begins with leading yourself powerfully. Mm. That's where it begins. Now, to do that, you have to deepen your level of awareness because you simply can't change what you're not aware of. Yeah. So as we deepen our level of awareness, that is the beginning of true wisdom. Once we know where we are at, as in right now, what is sucking our energy, what is giving us energy, mm. we then have a foundation to build from. But many of us don't take that step to reflect on where we are, yep. to be honest with where we are, and then plan a path forward. So for me, first is leading yourself. Second, it is deepening your level of awareness. Mm, that's really powerful. I know in the book you talk about energy leaks, how one might identify their energy leaks. Yeah, so, and this is where it comes to energy management. So when you look at your days, and each of us are different. So when you reflect on your day, and there's points where you go, oh, I'm just feeling exhausted right now. Now, you've got to ask yourself, what is causing that exhaustion? And it could be a number of things. It could be something as simple as, well, I just simply don't like the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or I said yes to meet someone who I didn't really want to meet. Oh. Or I said yes to an event that, well, didn't really mean anything to me. So you've got to start to reflect on, well, where am I leaking energy? Yeah by losing that feeling of being positive mm -hmm. and that's almost the base one if you will so once you start to identify those moments where you feel low in energy mm. well how can you change that so more of your time in the day is spent on doing the things that give you energy mm. because once you start shifting things from that perspective you just want to keep doing more of the things that give you energy yeah so again it comes back to that that awareness of yourself because the reason why this is powerful is that your body, whether you know it or not, is always speaking to you. <laughs> the question always comes down to whether you are listening to it. Yeah. Whether you are listening to it. I love that. One of the um, one of the things that I've realized along my journey, I mean, I, 
initially I was, you know, judging myself for being a, a weak and adequate male for not being able to do DIY. But uh, when <laughs> Don't I come worry, to- Ryan, I share yeah. that with you. I share <laughs> that with you. There's a reason these hands are soft. But when I come to the realization that actually it just destroys my soul, it takes away my energy. Mm. Um, it makes me realize that actually it's just as well there are people in the world that love doing those things mm. because that's why we need each other, right? That's why we have communities and shared exchanges of... Because I think that I think the problem that many face is that they, they don't believe that they can make a living by doing the thing that energizes them. And yet I, I want people to experience and understand that there's always space for hard work. There's always space for people doing more of what they love because mm. we're all part of the bigger puzzle. I'm my piece, your piece, and mm. you're your piece and your gifts and skills and talents I might need and, and mine somebody else might need. What's your perspective on uh, there's space for everybody to to do what they love in the world? Definitely. And, and I'm of the opinion, Ryan, that every single person has lessons to share and stories to tell. Yeah. Simply the fact that your upbringing, your background, your family situation will be very different to mine means that you already have something unique. You already have something different. Mm. And so it's not about doing the same as someone else it's about doing something drawing on your own experiences how can you make it different but that is your own way of doing it mm. so i'll give an example now i'm releasing a book there's so many people that are already releasing books or who have already released books now for me if i compare myself to those people mm. i can easily lose energy through through the very act of comparisonitis yeah but what I simply do is ask myself, well, how can I do it in a way that is fun, mm. but it's very me? And, and so what I mean by that is I'm going to have certain interests and strengths that are different to yours. And so when I look at my personal life, when I grew up, Ryan, I, I've always enjoyed film. So I always enjoy going to the cinema and you watch a series of trailers and then you catch one or two and you're like, well, I want to come back to the cinema and watch it when it's out. And so because I love that, for me, it's, well, how can I bring that experience into the release of my book? Yeah. And so I'm going about in the background to create book trailers and book videos in the same way we have trailers. So that instead of saying at the end, coming to a cinema near you, it's more like coming to a bookstore near you. Yeah, nice. And I want to create that emotional experience that people get when they go to the cinema yeah. uh, to, to bring it to life, if you will. So that's my kind of take on it which of course will be very different to someone else's version but if we focus on how we can put our imprint on it if you will mm. then that makes it more fun because you're able to express yourselves on that piece of work i love that simon is it true that your wisdom comes from the fact that your dad is in fact the dalai lama <laughs> <laughs> perhaps perhaps there's a funny story to that actually because my my, my dad's work takes him around the world and yeah. One time when he was working in Trinidad and Tobago for, for a few years, the first time he landed there, he, he walked out of the airport, he held a taxi down, and he was putting in his suitcases uh, with his partner into the back of the back of the car. And as he came round to go in, he couldn't see where the driver was. <laughs> and so he walked to the other side of the car, and he saw the driver was on the floor rolling out a bit of carpet, because he had mistakenly thought that my dad was the Dalai Lama. 
And so I, I, I sometimes joke with friends of mine that, you know, if this gig as a, as a coach and speaker doesn't work out, <laughs> I can always double up as a, uh, as a Dalai yeah. Lama lookalike in the future. <laughs> oh, I love that. love that. Simon, I'm so grateful for your time. So grateful for your energy. Um, love to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. For me, the phrase always better than yesterday is the most important goal we can strive for. Because if we are always better than who we were yesterday, mm. all those things we're looking for, they will come. They will come. Focus only on being better than who you were yesterday and everything you've ever dreamed for can come possible. Mm. Amen to that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, all the best uh, success with your book. I hope you enjoy every moment of... Uh, I said this to you, didn't I, on Facebook? I said, uh, I really hope that so many good people out in the world putting good out, like in terms of ripple effect. Mm. And, and every now and again, you get a wave that crashes back over you that lets yeah. you realize that ripple effect. I hope that you get that in abundance, my friend, and, and all the goodness that you put out. I hope that you get a little bit of that come back your way as you tore the book. Mm. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your kind words. So grateful for your support. And, and likewise, you, you know, I've been seeing some of the great work you're doing and, uh, you know, the guests you're interviewing here. Uh, I, I think the value you bring into the lives of your listeners is incredible. And as you said, there was a ripple effect in motion, you know, for every listener that benefits from uh, the insights and wisdom you share with them, there will be so many others that will benefit as a result. Mm, very kind of you to say. Thank you, Simon. Be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. Sure. Well, the final thought I want to leave you with is uh, I became a father for the first time during the uh, early parts of the pandemic when, when the UK went into its first lockdown. And it was a surreal moment because I was, as a partner to my wife, only allowed in the recovery ward for an mm. hour after the birth of our child because the hospital had to be very careful not mm. to have too many people uh, walking around the, the wards. And when I, when I held my daughter in my arms, uh, and I'm sure you can relate, Ryan, mm -hmm. not only was there a flood of, of emotions going through me uh, mentally and physically, but I was reminded of the fact of just how much of a miracle event mm -hmm. it is uh, for someone to be born, for my child to be born, for me to be born, for uh, you to be born, a fact that we easily forget. And what we come to understand uh, is that we already have won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. And the question I would love to leave the listeners with is what are you going to do with that winning ticket of yours? What are you going to do with that winning ticket that you are holding in your hand? Mm, let's leave that there to simmer. My friend, thank you so much. Ryan, thank you so much for having me on today. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. 
If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.